We're here for our last installment of this series uh, called Grace and Truth. And uh, I want to do something a little different. I want to actually have you hear um, from the people that are on the front lines of some of the issues that we've been talking about. Uh, So I'm going to play a video clip in just a moment, Um, but I I wanted to lay a little bit of a foundation. So I'm going to read our scripture that we've been using as the basis for our series uh, from John chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. Um, and I'm actually going to ask you, normally we, we, we've been standing and reading the word of God together, but I, I actually want to ask you just to kind of stay where you are seated and just kind of close your eyes and shut yourself in for a moment. I was sharing with somebody earlier this week that most of the people in Jesus's day were illiterate and so they couldn't read. And so one of these New Testament books would be written and it would be copied and sent around and most people heard the word of God by listening to it read. And so just imagine yourself sitting in a room and there's this new teaching that you've heard about but you don't quite understand it. And somebody opens up a letter from this amazing person named John that you've heard did miracles on behalf of this man named Jesus. And for the very first time, you hear who Jesus is. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Father, be pleased by all that is said and done in this place. For your glory we pray. Amen. The context that we've been talking about for this series is about the issues of human sexuality and gender identity. And so we've been wrestling, if this is your first time here, we've been talking about how, how do we as believers navigate these challenging times? How, how do we have conversations uh, in, in a time where people who may not know God but may be dealing with issues around their sexual orientation or gender identity feel by and large Rejected, if not outright hated by the church. Somewhere in this current situation, the good news of Jesus Christ has gotten lost. And I don't want to unpack what we've been doing for the last couple of weeks, but 
the gist of what I've been saying is that we read the Bible, we understand the Bible as the authoritative word of God, but somehow, no matter how convinced we are that a person's um, behavior or thoughts or 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 uh, situations, circumstances may not be what God wants, we communicate it in a way that is full of grace and draws people closer to God. Because there's no hierarchy in the sins. We are all fallen and dependent on God's amazing grace to heal us. And so what I wanted to say today, and, and I think this is particularly important as we're here on Young Adult Sunday, because one of the things that you've probably experienced in your groups is that not only is there a divide in our thinking among believers and non-believers generally, but even among generations. Generations look at the same issues in very different ways. And you can have a believer who's seasoned and grew up in one time period and someone who's a millennial or in their 20s or teens and, and believes God and loves God and they just see the situation completely differently. And somehow we have to find common ground that we can both share the love of Jesus Christ well. And so what I wanted to underscore and kind of wrap this up is even though we've been talking about these specific issues, the issues aren't really the deal. It's the people that we really have to care about. The issue isn't the issue. The issue is always the person. We just read the scripture from John 1 that says Jesus came filled with grace and truth and everywhere in his ministry he would always guide and direct and teach and even correct in a way that always drew people closer to him, not pushed them away. And so somehow there's a way that we can do that. But, but even beyond that, it says in John 3.16, the verse that we love so much that God sent his only son into a broken and hurting world to die and rise again to bring it back to himself. God didn't come for the planet. He came for the people. And so no matter what we're doing, we've got to keep in mind that this is not a theological debate. It's not a social issue. It's not some kind of mindset that I don't agree with. It is a person who is a child of God who needs the same grace and mercy from God that I do. So, I wanted to give a little more um, detail about what it means to live this out. And so I want us to to break out in our circles. This is our last Sunday where we're going to have some time to kind of reason together. But I wanted to give you this framework and, and have you watch this video that talks about what does it mean to love people well? The uh, video series that I kind of pulled this from, he called it six do's and don'ts. That we got to be mindful that when we are dealing with people who are, who are uh, wrestling with, with their orienta- sexual orientation and gender identity. I called it six relational rules. Because I think these apply to all issues at all times. No matter what person that we are talking to. No matter what they're dealing with. No matter what baggage we feel like they're carrying. At all times, these are rules that I think apply to how we as Christians speak to people and still represent the kingdom. So I'm going to run through these quickly, uh, particularly the first three, and then I'm going to have you watch a video. Now, I want to give you a little bit of a warning. It's kind of a long video. It's about six or so minutes, but I wanted you to hear from the people directly so that we could get a context for how important it is and how we relate and talk to people. But let me give you these rules as a framework. The first rule that he gives is listen and listen again. 
That means when I'm engaging with someone and they're sharing with me and think about how difficult, how vulnerable it feels that when you are wrestling with any issue that you feel is convicting or that you feel is, is, is maybe you're trying to understand what God is saying to you and you know that the people that you're talking to may not agree with you. Imagine how vulnerable that feels. And, and the best thing we can do in that moment is just be silent and listen. And then after we think we've heard it and we think we understand, let's listen again. Let's just hear them, hear their story, hear their worries, hear their fears, and just make sure that we are present in the moment to give them the gift of being heard. The second thing is, it's, he said, pay close attention to the language that we use. Because sometimes we can offend people, not with our intentions, but just with the words that carry harmful baggage with it. It was interesting, they were saying that, that people in the LGBTQ community have certain words that are triggered, that, that feel judgmental, that, that, that feel like attacks, even when we don't mean it that way. And so we got to understand how this person is relating to the words coming out of our mouths. He gave this wonderful example that he had a friend who was Jewish. And uh, his friend said, you know, if you ask me, are you Jewish? That feels perfectly okay to me. But if you say, are you a Jew? It feels different. Many of us have experiences where we've had people ask us questions or say things to us. And, and even though the words weren't harmful, something in the tone let us know that there was an attack in there somewhere. The third one that he says, and I think this one is really important, is that the gospel comes first and sexuality comes later. That the most important thing I can communicate to someone is that I'm a child of God. I love God. I have been so blessed and covered by God. God has been my savior. He's been my healer. He's been my protector and my provider. And before I tell you what I think about your life situation, I just want you to know that you are loved by God. Now, you may not use those words. You may not pull out a scripture. You, you, you may not quote a verse, but, but maybe you just communicated in how you're sharing that the most important thing out of this conversation, even if we disagree on whatever we disagree on, is that someone walks away knowing that the love of God is available to them. So he goes on with these other rules. I'm going to mention these quickly, but again, I, I, w- I want you to hear from the stories. He says, don't be a hypocrite. Amen. That again, sometimes good old church folks can get so fired up and so animated about the issues that other people got, like we don't have any. Number five is is saying I'm sorry when we make a mistake, because we're going to make mistakes, and not be afraid to say I'm sorry. And the last one is to be a safe person. And he's going to unpack what this means. So I want you to hear how people are responding. The people in this video uh, have various stories. Some of them, again, are, are, are dealing with same-sex attraction. Some of them are dealing with gender identity issues. There's kind of an array of issues. But I think you'll hear from their hearts how important it is that we speak with grace as well as truth. So turn your attention to the screen. We're going to watch this video. What what is what is at the what's at the center of what we've been really talking about for the last couple of weeks? Um, if you remember what I said at the beginning, what I wanted us to do was to 
to try to learn how to have these difficult conversations here in the body with our brothers and sisters, with people who we know love Jesus, believe the word of God, and are trying to live faithfully to what God has called them to be and and to learn how to do it, to practice doing it here so that we could then do it better out there. I want to make a couple of observations that I think will be helpful as we kind of wrap this up. The first one is a shameful plug for our small groups. Um, This is exactly what we're hoping happens. When believers come together, two or more are gathered, the spirit of God comes in and you are able to just hear from God, gain insights, allow him to stretch your thinking, allow you to hear the word in new ways. And we grow together when we do it in community. So again, we got small groups all over the Bay Area, all different kind of nights and times. So if you're not plugged in, we're going to do a a big kickoff of our small groups uh, in the fall. And so I would encourage you to please get plugged in and let this rhythm of wrestling with the word of God together become part of how you understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. The second one is I want to go back to our our kind of four steps that I gave um, to help us deal with issues. And again, these are bigger than just the, the issues of human sexuality and gender identity. I think it applies to all the challenging things that we're facing today in believers in this fast paced and often confusing world. So I, I want to go back to those four things uh, that I mentioned. The first one is that we look at a situation, we look at a, uh, a moral dilemma, or we look at a circumstance that we're not quite sure what to do, and we find a word from God. We find a scripture that gives us a framework for how to approach this for how to deal with this situation that I'm not exactly sure. I've got to get my truth and my wisdom rooted in the word. Um, And that's what allows the spirit to give us wisdom and and guidance to handle these situations. But if I never put it in, the spirit's got nothing to pull back out. And so often, not in this room, of course, but when you hear believers talking about their opinions on difficult sources, subjects, they got sources from everywhere else except the word of God. We've got to get grounded in the word and then understand it. And I know people here are doing BSF and we got Sunday school classes and midweek Bible studies. We got to get somewhere where we can grow in our understanding of the word so that we don't become those people that just grab half of a verse somewhere and say, this is what the Bible says and don't understand the fullness of what God is really trying to reveal to us. So I want to encourage us, encourage us to be people of the book to find a way to allow the word to get in you that you may find it flowing out of you as the spirit leads. Uh, The last thing or the third thing is to do this in community. I love these conversations. I love walking around and hearing how you were talking and, and challenging each other a little bit or giving a different perspective or helping us see that the word is so much bigger than my own experience and my own thoughts. And when we do it together, that's why he put us in community that we may grow and sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron. And so we do this together. We pray, we discern, and then we form our convictions. And then we go out and we communicate with grace and truth with a big dose of humility because we realize we do not have perfect understanding of God's truth. 
And so that's the process. And again, I, I hope you got a little bit of that experience in this, in this environment. We're going to continue to try to to try to give us venues where we can do that, particularly the small groups. But I wanted to to use that little model to to show you why I think this is so important. That this wasn't just something to do because it's summertime and to break it up. I'm saying that this is how we have to be approaching people that we are facing, that we're not sure they're really living in what God has for them. How do we engage? Because you're called to do it. And I didn't want to say it. I wanted to go through the process. I wanted to give you where I got it from. So uh, I'm going to show you a verse that has been so important for me as I try to speak to people, try to counsel people, try to, try to uh, guide people, and really try to pastor people. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to read it, and then I want to pull a couple of nuggets out of this. Um, it starts like this. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Now, that's a mouthful. There's so much to unpack in there, but let me, let me try to give this to you. Here's what it's saying. Paul is saying, I am compelled. I am directed. I am almost ordered beyond my ability to refuse it. I am compelled because of Christ's love and knowing that he died and because he died, my death is with his. And once he was raised, he called me no longer to just live my life according to my own thinking, but to live it according to the one who died and gave me life. If I understand the depth and the meaning of his love, it says I can no longer just live for myself, but I live for Christ. And how do I do that? I no longer look at people from a worldly point of view. That's powerful. It says the love of Christ causes me to take off my own way of looking at you and looking at you and putting whatever label I want to put on you. Whatever external characteristic I see, that doesn't define you. I can no longer look at you by the stereotypes and the, and the gender roles and the sexual identity roles. I can't look at you that way because Christ's love compels me to look at you different. Here's what it says. It says, I used to look at Christ that way, but I don't do it anymore. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Thank God for that. Thank God that I'm not what I used to be. Thank God that I can't be confined by the labels and the mistakes and the failures. That once I became a child of Christ, he started stripping away the old stuff and making me into something brand new. That I don't even know what it's going to look like. I don't even know how to walk like that and talk like that. But he reveals it because he's making me into a brand new creation. Much more glorious than I could ever be on my own. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so grateful for what he does that I look at everybody else in the same way. It says in verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Anyone. The old is gone and the new is here. And I, I look at you with my Jesus goggles on. I look at you and I see you for the glorious creation that God designed you to be before you took one breath. 
Yeah, you got some bumps and bruises. Yeah, you've made some mistakes and fallen short. But you don't throw away a Rolls Royce because I got a dent on the side bumper. I look at you different. I see you differently. Here's what it says. It says, God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That, that he was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us to the ministry of reconciliation. Here's the punchline. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal to the entire world through us. Here's what that's saying. It says that you are the only source of the gospel that somebody is ever going to hear. You are the only evidence of God's grace and mercy and forgiveness and kindness and love and unfathomable mercy. You are the one that's going to show that to somebody. They're never going to come in this building. They're never going to download a sermon. They are going to listen and watch your life and understand the fullness and the glory of a wonderful God who loves them more than they can imagine. You're called to that. You're designed for it. If you're a follower of Christ, this is not what we do on the side. This is what we are compelled to do, what we are called to. And an ambassador, here's what an ambassador does. It goes to a foreign place. It goes to a different land with different traditions, different customs, stuff we don't like, stuff we're not used to, and it brings some of where it came from into that situation. Somebody hear what I'm saying right now, that you are delivering the kingdom of God into dark places. You are bringing light. You are bringing new hope. You are bringing healing. You are bringing redemption. You are bringing the possibilities of an unfathomable God into someone who was hurt and broken and dying on the vine. And you're called to it. It says, you are reconciled to God. He's making his appeal through you that someone who doesn't know the goodness of God, their life will be transformed. Because you gave them a glimpse of what truth and grace look like together. What an incredible calling. What, a, what an incredible opportunity. Just, just start letting your mind be filled with the people that you encounter on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. All the broken and hurting lives that God sends your way. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you, I'm gonna give you uh, uh, an affirmation today. We're in the graduation season. People have just graduated. I'm going to bestow upon you an honorary degree. There was, a, there was a story I heard about a pastor. He was on an airplane and he was sitting next to this guy, you know, small, small talk starts up. And he says, so what do you do? And the pastor says, I'm a doctor. Oh, really? What do you do? Heart surgery. (laughs) I'm here to help your heart get healthy. I'm not worried about the external stuff. We don't look at people from the outside. I want to give you, I want to bequeath you with an honorary doctorate in internal medicine that you are no longer confined to the exterior, but you have the piercing vision to see people in their glorious form the way God designed them, and you can be a doctor for the things on the inside where the real healing happens to begin with. 
and we take this call and we take the love of Christ and we take the forgiveness of Christ and we say, God, pour it out through me. Give me your eyes. Give me your words. And Father, fill me with your grace and your truth that your glory may be revealed in me and through me. And if we do that well, if we can just be focused on that, the Spirit will pour out so many manifestations of the kingdom in your life. You will wonder why people are so drawn to you. You will wonder why people, even people that you disagree with, love to be around you. I, I, I think it, it was put best by Maya Angelou. Remember that quote she said? She said, people will forget what you did. People will forget what you said, but people will never, ever forget how you made them feel. Can we love people in a way that makes them feel that they have just experienced the loving embrace of a God who wants them reconciled back to him more than anything in this world? That's my prayer. That's my charge. That is God's will. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, as we walk through these days and as we see not only the brokenness in our own lives, but the brokenness of the people around us who are hurting and hungry and thirsty for living water and don't even know. God, help us to be so in love with you, to be so filled by your spirit that we can take off all the external definitions, all the stereotypes, all the labels, and allow us to be a vessel of your love that transcends our age, our race, our gender, and all the other walls that we put between us and allow us to be reconcilers of your children back to their God, their Savior, to the lover of their souls. Use us for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.